Last week, Peter told us we could cast all of our anxieties on our Father in heaven because he cares for us and he has proven it. But casting all our anxieties on him does not mean we can develop a devil-may-care attitude because the devil does care. So Peter quickly adds, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Even though we know God cares for us, that he won't forsake us, that he will see to it that our needs are met if we trust him and follow his principles for living, that we don't have to worry about tomorrow, still we cannot forget That we live in a fallen world. And we do have an adversary. Don't kid yourselves. Satan is for real. He's just as real as is our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit. Or Jesus Christ. It's no more difficult to believe in a demonic spiritual being than it is to believe in a divine spiritual being. And the Bible testifies to the existence of both. If, as some would suggest, Satan is just the evil tendency in man, then our Heavenly Father is nothing more than the good tendency in man. And we don't have a real personal Savior. But we do. And we do have a for real personal adversary as well. And he is powerful. Jesus said he was the ruler of the world. Paul went so far as to say that Satan is the God of this world. And think about it. How many People are controlled by God and His will. And how many are controlled by Satan and His will? I dare say more people in the world are in rebellion against God than are submissive to Him. So Satan is the God of this world. And that means we are actually living in the lion's den. That's why Peter says, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's out there. 
And he's after us. And Paul makes it very clear that our spiritual adversary actually schemes against us. In Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, he says, Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness. In the heavenly places. We are in spiritual warfare. And the enemy is scheming against us. So it's to our advantage to know all we can about his strategy. So we'll know what to expect. What to look for. And one of the first things we notice as we read about him in the Bible is that he wears a number of different hats. He prowls about in a variety of disguises. Peter pictures him here as a lion. He appeared as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. He can even disguise himself as an angel of light. You know, sometimes we we're horrified by dramatic presentations of evil. And I don't like them either. But they don't scare me nearly as much as the sweet, pretty pictures of immorality and sin that we're presented with. As if that's something good. I think more people have been led down the path of sin by things that look good than by things that look bad. He can disguise himself as an angel of light. His, his, first, his first strategy is to deceive us. He wants to make something bad look good. Something foolish look wise. Something sinful look justifiable. And to do so, he will take on any form necessary to plant his lies in our mind. From a celebrity or a rock star, to a professor, to a preacher, to the good old boy back home. He's out to deceive us and he will speak through anyone who will let him. He's a deceiver. If he can't deceive us, then he'll try to frighten us, roaring like a lion. Now, the roar of a lion strikes terror in the heart of his intended victim. He hopes to disorient him, to make him lose sight of his escape plan for the moment, to make him freeze up. And Satan is not above that strategy with us. If he can't deceive us, he'll try to paralyze us with fear, make us think there's no escape, that things are so bad that we've got no place to run and we might as well just give in. He actually seeks out those he thinks he can devour. And he's a smart predator. You know, a lion knows his chances are better at devouring the weak and the strays. We've all seen nature shows where it's the weak deer or antelope that's stumbling that the lion goes after first. Or the one that has strayed away from the herd, the one that is standing alone. 
Since Satan is like a lion seeking whom he can devour, he's going to be looking for the weak Christian, the one that is tangled up in the affairs of this life, who's stumbling, who has strayed away from the flock of God. And he's going to go after him first and with the most determination. That doesn't mean, however, that a healthy buck in the midst of the flock is free from any possible attack. When the lion is feeling strong or is in a sporting mood, he's going to spring at everyone just to see if they're alert, if he can catch them in a weak moment. So we've all got to maintain that sober spirit and stay on the alert. But if we're standing alone, in a weakened condition... We can rest assured that he will come after us with all the strength and cunning at his command. And if we are really standing alone, he's going to get us. Because no man can resist Satan alone. He's stronger than any of us. And we cannot successfully resist him by ourselves. So what's the believer's defense? Peter says, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. We are to resist Satan by our faith. But what does that mean? How do we resist Satan? By our faith. I think James helps us understand what it means when he tells us that before we can resist Satan, we must submit to God. We've got to make him Lord of our life. We've got to make sure that we are standing with him, that we are standing together, that he is standing with us before we can resist Satan at all. And then we resist him by faith. When he tries to deceive us, we trust that what God has told us is true. We take every impulse, every idea, every philosophy, every desire, and check it against the Word of God. No matter how good or right or justifiable anything appears to be, we check it out. We find out what God has to say about it. And we unquestionably accept what he has to say. Even if we don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us. And it's not politically correct. We recognize the truth of Scripture. When it tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Satan is a liar. And the father of lies. We've got to make sure we know what God says. That applies to the situations that we are facing. The struggles that we're going through. The questions we have. And then by faith, we accept that what he says is true. We live in a world where truth is called into question. It's been called into question forever. Pilate asked the same question. What is truth? Our society would have us believe there is no such thing as absolute truth, but God has revealed to us absolute truth. 
We check everything out by his word. And in spite of all the noise and commotion that Satan is causing, we're grateful to know that he's being kept in check by our Lord. We don't have to give up. Satan's going to lose. He's going to lose. And his power is limited. You know, I've often said that Satan is like a mad dog on a chain. As long as we stay far enough away from him, he can't get to us. But if we get into the radius of his chain, he can ravage us. Well, the story in Pilgrim's Progress, the classic account of Christian's journey from the doomed city to the celestial city, says the same thing, using the even more fitting analogy of a lion for Satan. At one point in his journey, Christian meets timorous and mistrust, who are running away from the celestial city. When he asks them where they're going, they say they're going back to the doomed city. When he asks why, they reply, because up there in the mountains, there are lions that are crouching and ready to devour us. Christian is frightened and tempted to turn back. But then he remembers the scroll that he carries, and he reaches into his vest for it, only to discover it's not there. He goes back to where he left it. He retrieves it. He opens it and reads these words. Is your strength small? Fear not, for the lions are chained. Keep in the midst of the path, and no hurt shall come upon you. So even though Christian's knees are knocking and his heart is pounding, he walks through the mountains in the middle of the path, accepting at face value what the scroll says. And he discovers the lions are truly chained. They surge against the chains, but they cannot touch them because they are bound. And it's true. The lion is chained. He can't reach us. As long as we walk by faith, as long as we stay on the path. And then Peter reminds us that we're not the only ones the lion's after. And that's vital. Because when he is roaring and growling and attacking us, we tend to think we are his only intended victim. And when he's trying to lure us within reach of his chain, we tend to think he has never tempted anyone like he is tempting us. That no one could resist him if they had to face what we have to face. Paul, however, makes it clear that no man has a unique temptation. He says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, that you may be able to endure it. No temptation is unique. God won't allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. He will provide a way out, but you've got to be willing to take it. You've got to have enough faith to take the way out of temptation. You have to have enough strength to live in obedience to what God says 
in his word. And Peter says, don't forget that our brothers and sisters are facing the same things we're facing. We're not alone in our struggles. You know, it's important to know that everyone is going through the same kinds of attacks as you are. That you have not been singled out unless, of course, you've cut yourself off from your brothers and sisters and have chosen to stand alone. But as long as you stay in the flock, rest assured, we are all facing the same enemy and similar struggles. And we need to be honest about the struggles we face. Now, sometimes we think we've got to put up a front in church. That the last person who ought to know that we're struggling should be a fellow church member. By all means, not the preacher. Now, just this week, this last week, there was an article in Fox News about a controversial song entitled Church Clothes. It was released for free five years ago by Lecrae, a Christian hip-hop artist. But it was pretty much ignored by Christian artists. They didn't really like the song. Well, when Kelly Bannon, a country singer, recently heard the song, she found it to be intensely personal and decided to record it because it reflected something she experienced in the life of her parents. Her record label wouldn't let her record it. They didn't like it. And so she broke with them and recorded it on her own and even posted it on YouTube. I think it pretty well expresses the hypocrisy and the danger of trying to hide our struggles from one another. I'm going to read the, uh, the lyrics. Maybe a little shocking, but I'm going to read it anyway. A pressed shirt, you tuck it in. You tie your tie and tie it again. I put a little curl in my hair, pink on my cheeks, barely there. A proper skirt hits at the knee. A good sweater in winter green. You shake the keys downstairs. I hit the lights, not a minute to spare. Slipped a five in the Bible for the offering plate. What a beautiful picture we both made. You drive, I look out the window. It's not right, but nobody said so. We walk in and head to the same pew and hold hands just like we're supposed to. But last night, you slept on the sofa. And these days, I don't even know you. We fight like hell, but nobody knows when we're wearing our church clothes. We stand up. We sing a hymn. We say a prayer for other friends. We're turning to the book of John. I'm thinking how I can't go on. But we smile and give it our Sunday best. If we're lost, no one could tell by the way we dressed. We drive. I look out the window. It's not right, but nobody said so. We walk in. I head to the bedroom. But you don't. You do what you want to. Like last week when you packed a suitcase 
You came close to get in your own place. Oh, that's the stuff that nobody knows when we're wearing our church clothes. Oh, we don't speak. Don't touch as if nobody's watching us. Lord knows we've got it down. What would they say if we gave up? You drive, I look out the window. It's not right, but nobody said so. We walk in like we've never been so close. Miles apart, but careful that it don't show when we're wearing our church clothes. Peter reminds us that we're all going through the same struggles, the same trials, the same temptations. And that brothers and sisters are facing the same things we're facing. And many have already come through them victoriously. But we've got to be honest with each other and share our struggles as well as our victories. Otherwise, when Satan attacks, a brother or sister thinks they're the only one who's ever had to face it. I don't think we need to get into a little contest to see who's been through the most. I'm not really big on dumping everything in a group. But we've got to be honest. We've got to be willing to admit that we have struggles. Again, if our brother or sister thinks that they're the only one who's ever had to face the enemy, they're going to give up. We've got to be honest. We've got to walk by faith together. We've got to entrust ourselves to our Heavenly Father together. And if we'll do that, we can succeed. God limits what Satan can do to his people. He keeps Satan on a leash. He guarantees that you can endure Satan's attacks. The victory is guaranteed. Peter says, after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, Satan is a powerful opponent. He can cause us a lot of suffering, but only for a limited time, if we're in Christ. Because we've been called to an eternal glory in Him. That helps us in our present perspective. Keep things in perspective. We know how it's going to end. It enables us to keep going. We know that we're going through now. We'll come to an end. And Paul teaches us that there is no comparison between what we're going through now and what the future holds. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Or as I really like J.B. Phillips, whatever we have to go through now is less than nothing when compared 
with the magnificent future God has planned for us. We've got to keep it in perspective. You can make it through tough times if you know those tough times are limited. And Satan's time is limited. And, to be real honest, our present struggles with Satan are making us into better people. Improving us. Improving our character. Testing us. Equipping us for eternal life. Peter tells us that through our current struggles, God is perfecting, confirming, strengthening, and establishing us. He's perfecting us. Supplying what's missing, mending what's broken, making us complete through our present struggles. He's confirming us, making us as firm and solid as granite. He's strengthening us, tempering us like steel, giving us the needed toughness for life, filling us with his power and equipping us for life and service. He's establishing us, putting us on a solid foundation, teaching us to build our life on the bedrock of faith. God is doing that now. Through our struggles, through our confrontations with Satan. So being in the lion's den a little while isn't so bad when you know you'll come out and you'll come out a better man. Satan is here and he's prowling about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But he cannot Devour us. Not if we are in Christ and Christ is in us. He cannot destroy us. Because as John so beautifully said in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. My question to you this morning is this. Do you have Christ in your heart? Are you trusting Him? Are you walking by faith with Him? Are you staying on the path with your brothers and sisters? If you are victory is guaranteed and you have nothing to fear from that chained lion. If not, you can do something about it today. Let's stand.